This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, and this is Campaign Catch-Up, bringing you the top news and analysis about the 2022 federal election. It's Friday, the 13th of May. Today, senior reporter Tori Shepard joins me to discuss the political attack ads in the campaign. But first, here's what happened today. The coalition kicked off the day with an announcement. Having made it much easier to deport non-citizens with a criminal history over the years, it now wants those non-citizens to pay for their own immigration detention. That is, to pay the cost of government policy. Within hours, Labor promised it would match this pledge. Prime Minister Scott Morrison was in Melbourne in the marginal Liberal seat of Chisholm. Morrison was asked about the way he talks to voters. You keep saying that what Australians know is part of your problem that you keep telling them what they should know rather than listening to them. He admitted he could be a bit of a bulldozer, but just as you would in a job interview, he turned this weakness into a strength, saying this was important to Australia's security agreements with the UK and the US. Then he promised he would change this approach after the election. You've got to be pretty determined to be able to land those sorts of things. But that doesn't mean, because as we go into this next period, on the other side of this election, I know there are things that are going to have to change with the way I do things, because we're moving into a different time. And now the Prime Minister is putting his hand up and saying, I'll change. Well, if you want change, change the government on May 21. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese was on Fitzroy Island off Cairns in the marginal Liberal seat of Leichhardt. He promised about $195 million for research and conservation on the Great Barrier Reef. How do you marry up what you're putting out there as a pledge to protect the Great Barrier Reef when you are also committed to the coal and gas industries in this state of Queensland? You need to do both. You need to address climate change, not just by domestic action, but by, by being a part of international action as well. Albanese was also asked about why Labor was pledging to cut emissions to 43% by 2030, which is well short of the 50% recommended by key scientists. Renewables will be, under our plan, 82% of the national energy market by 2030. Our plan is a serious plan. It's one that's fully costed. It's one that we will implement in government. And Defence Minister Peter Dutton was in Perth, where he said a Chinese warship had been spotted in Australian waters. He said he thought the ship intended to gather intelligence, and he said he regarded the move as an act of aggression. And I think particularly because it has come so far south, for it to come south of Exmouth is without precedent, and for it to hug the coastline the way in which it has uh, and heading up toward uh, the north. Dutton was repeatedly asked if his rare announcement had anything to do with the federal election campaign. I think Australians deserve to know what is taking place, and as I say, it's a a repeat of uh, a previous practice uh, where we've made the public aware of uh, these activities before. Coming up, Tori Shepherd is here to talk about political advertising in this election. Hey, Tori, how are you going? Jane, hi, I'm fabulous. How are you? I'm really well. So, Tori, you've been watching a lot of political ads for this campaign and you've seen a lot of political ads in your time reporting on politics. How would you rate this year's offering from the different parties? Well, first of all, I've been watching ads voluntarily, which is not my usual, like, (laughs) modus operandi. Um, I would say 
on the whole, I hate almost all of them. I'm sorry to do this because I know you hate them all, but let's talk a little bit about some of them. Um, So what are the two major parties seeking to say in their attack ads this time around? So look, if you boil it all down to its very essence, Labor's main message is he says it's not his job. Next time something goes wrong, do you trust him to make it right? That's not my job. That's not my job. It's not my job to do that. He was derelict in his duty. He wasn't there for the bushfires. He's had 10 years. What has he done? And for the coalition, it's very much Albanese is not up to the job. You don't know him. He's an unknown and we're the safe guys. And what about the minor party strategy? Well, they're all quite different, aren't they? So United Australia Party, they're just swamping you with the yellow. Freedom, freedom, freedom. And they're trying to appeal to, you know, your anti-vaxxers, your anti-vaccine adjacent uh, people who were upset with the way the pandemic was handled. The UAP ad goes for about two minutes on YouTube. the course of Australia's history. It's a a very long, um, very yellow, um, colourful world in parks and... Yeah, cavorting in their yellow yellow T-shirts. Everyone dismissed Clive Palmer at the last election because he didn't win a seat, right? But I don't know that that's what he's aiming for. He's disruptive, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the way the preferences get directed this year because it's a it's a tiny number of people that follow those how-to-vote cards, but that could still make a difference somewhere along the lines. Uh, Greens team, this is a crisis meeting. Uh, the Greens... We're getting smashed up by the media. I want to hear... This is very lo-fi ad with Tasmania's Nick McKim. It's satirical, in the vein of utopia. He's up at the whiteboard. His staff are like... We've got a crisis. They all hate us. And they start reading out these headlines and it's things like... Yep. I'll tax the rich to pay for your teeth, says Adam Bent. OK, tax rich. Oh, no, that sounds terrible, you know. And then they're just listing the Greens policies, which were, you know, splashed in big headlines, often in The Australian, about how terrible they were. But when you say them out loud... Greens promised to give millions of Australians free internet as part of the party's very ambitious plan to change the country. Do you always have setbacks? Do you always have imperfect information? I mean, things are tough. The Coalition's first ad, you know, the PM's saying how much he loves Australia, mm-hmm. setting the scene, setting the tone for the campaign. How good's that? That's why I love Australia. What did you make of that one? So it was very slick, which of course it has to be. It has to be very prime ministerial. I did laugh a lot when I was talking to Andrew Hughes, who is a political scientist, and he called it a, a stalkometer ad because <laughs> you see... Documentary style. Yeah, yeah. It's like we're perving on the PM through a window at Parliament House, which is kind of an odd technique. The Coalition also did this terrible one where it tried to debunk Labor saying that Scott Morrison only ever says, it's not my job, Right. And what they did was repeated. I think the ad had that line in it six times while trying to debunk it. And most people are just going to walk away going, oh, he always says it's not his job. Well, the problem with all of these ads is that they can all backfire, right? Because they're both atta- they're all attacking each other all at the same time. Mm. I think the key to a good campaign is to work out what the narrative is and to just keep stoking that, which is why the it's not my job is pretty effective for Labor and that's why the coalition never should have touched that line because that just starts reinforcing that narrative. Which of the party's ads would you say is the most effective this year and why? So 
This is me talking to experts. I don't want to claim that I'm a particular expert. But the way the people I spoke to um, talked about the teal advertising was, was pretty convincing because, first of all, I know not all independents are teal, but you do have a, you have a unifying colour straight away. So you get a magnifying effect because you might be seeing, you know, ads for Zali Stegall because you're in her electorate, but then you're also likely to see them pop up from Monique Ryan or from other teal independents. So you start to get a layering there, which helps build that narrative. And they're also, you know, they are actually quite positive. Describe some of them for me. Well, look, I think a lot of it is the simplicity. So you'll just have a teal candidate saying, I'm here. I'm here for your local electorate. I care about climate change, which, by the way, the major parties are not really mentioning. I care about integrity. And they're not working to sort of create division. They're the ones getting attacked, but they're staying sort of a bit above that fray. Um, And can I ask, you said that you hate political ads in general and these ones. But what, I mean, why why do you hate political ads in, in general, not necessarily referring to any specific? I think so much money gets spent on it and I always feel so disappointed. Like, do you, do you spend millions of dollars now to make up for all the stuff you didn't do? Um, I, I found it outrageous that we don't have rules about truth in political advertising. Um, And to be honest, I probably start my day in a pretty bad space when I wake up, read the papers and see those full page United Australia Party ads with rubbish like Craig Kelly's going to be your next prime minister and we're going to cap interest rates at 3%. And that's sort of completely misleading stuff. Um, So it's it's the misinformation. It's the fact we don't have any way to crack down on truth in political advertising, the idea that all you've got to do is have a six-week flurry and you can start to win people over. I mean, I know this is kind of the way that it works, but this is why I um, do not feel particularly fond of them. (laughs) Do you think the ads will change people's votes or change people's minds? I think they definitely can. Um, In one way, it's because they feed into a narrative that is already developing. So if people maybe haven't been paying attention, all they saw was Anthony Albanese mixing up the unemployment rate, and then they're saying he's not up to it, he's not experienced, he's not a safe pair of hands. Maybe that helps reinforce that idea for them. I think attack ads work. You know, we saw that with the Medi-Scare campaign. We've seen it again and again. Just got to instill that little bit of doubt, you know. It's like convincing the the, the jury that it's not all done and dusted. Um, as we head into the final week of the campaign, the media appearances are going to go into overdrive. Everyone's going to be finding a microphone or camera and doing what they can to sell their message mm-hmm. before we head to the polls. What is your advice for voters who are about to be hit with a storm of political advertising in many different forms over the next week? Work on your bullshit detector, I guess. I mean, <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to be a total shill for the place I work for, but at Guardian Australia, we do we do a lot of fact checks. So does the ABC. You know, they work with RMIT. There are fact checks out there that can really break down for you what is going on. I feel as though a lot of people really aren't engaged and then quite often it'll be this week where they tune in and they then just need to be hyper aware of the story they're trying to sell you because if people aren't careful and discerning in terms of the information they're absorbing they can absorb the wrong information and so then it will change their minds because they believe the wrong things which is you know a travesty thanks so much for your time tori jane thank you so much for uh, letting me have a break from the ads that's your campaign catch-up for today. This episode was produced by Alison Chan, Helen Smith and me, Jane Lee. The executive producer is Miles Martignoni. Thanks for listening.